Welcome to Wrestling with God Show, the podcast where we grapple with big questions about faith, religion, and life. I'm Irish McMahon, and I'm here with our very capable wrestling coach, my friend, and Irish Catholic priest, Father Len McMillan. Yo, Father Len! Yo, Irish! So, uh, let's get down to business here, Father Len. The other day, uh, you and I were talking about doubts. I don't know how we got into this, but uh, doubts that people have about God, about our Catholic faith, uh, things we hear from the Pope and bishops and priests, and maybe even things we hear from you. And we talked about how, you know, it's really quite human to have doubts about things we can't see and touch, uh, things that we don't understand or don't make sense to us. And during that conversation, you said something that really got my attention and resonated with me because it actually made me feel pretty good about some of my doubts. You told me that doubt is a virtue and that there's something holy about doubt. So, Father Len, uh, help us grapple with our doubts and understand why it's okay, even holy, to have these doubts. Oh, okay. So I, I love this because I doubt everything. I like to critically think about everything, except <laughs> some doubts are holy and some doubts I don't ever have. And a great example is in the beginning of the Gospel of Luke, where you have the angel Gabriel goes to Zachariah. And Zachariah is a theologian and he's a priest. And holy cow, the angel Gabriel one of the archangels appears before him and tells him that his wife, despite her old age, too old to have a baby, she's going to have a baby. And Zacharias says, how can this be? And when he says, how can this be? What he's really saying is he's lecturing the angel on how God needs to work. It's pretty funny. And I love the angel is insulted. And Gabriel says, I am Gabriel. Do you know who I am? I'm one of the top guys. You don't <laughs> lecture me on theology. You don't lecture God on theology. Yes, God has and, sent me here. Yeah, exactly. Like, because Zachariah's opinion is God should work in a logical way according to what I think. Yeah, like it's it's not logical for a woman of, uh, you know, 60 80. or 70 years old to have a baby, right? Right. That makes and no sense. So it's, it's ridiculous. So the angel, Gabriel, who I love, has no patience for this silliness, so strikes him <laughs> mute. So with our kids, I always say, now, listen to the story. If an angel appears to him, don't ruffle his feathers. They <laughs> do not like that. The really odd twist is that then the angel Gabriel appears to Mary. And Mary asks the same question. You know, how can this be? Mary, the mother of God you're talking about. Yeah. Okay. She asks the same question, but the angel doesn't get upset. Why? Because Mary, when she asks a question, she's not asking or telling how God has to do things. She just doesn't understand how it's going to happen not telling God what to do. And not so, telling God that it can't happen. Yeah, it can't happen. So Zachariah's doubt is is really uh, this disbelief. that Disbelief every, in God, basically. Well, and how God works. Yeah. Mary is not doubting how God works, but just doesn't understand how God is going to work. Because, <laughs> you know, she says, 
I'm a virgin. How is this going to happen? Yep. So it's an honest doubt. Zachariah is not an honest doubt. It's telling God how God has to behave. So to me, there's two different types of doubt. One is healthy and holy, and the other one is not healthy and holy. So I'll put them in these categories. The Zachariah is actually disbelief. He lectures God on how God has to work. He had no doubt that he could be wrong about theology or anything with God, even though an angel is standing right in front of him. Now, the other type of doubt is, so that, that's one doubt that I am absolutely right. I know theology um, and I can't doubt. Mary, she doesn't doubt how God works. In fact, the angel says, gives her this great bit of advice and says, know that Elizabeth, your kinwoman, in her old age is with child because she believes in a God of impossibilities. So Elizabeth is the wife of Zachariah. And Mary's cousin. Right. Okay. Just so people know. And, and then, the, and then the, the same angel comes to Mary and says that uh, you're going to be with child and she's a virgin. Right. And so Mary has faith in God as a relationship. That to me is a very healthy uh, type of faith. I have no doubts that God loves me incredibly. I have no doubts that I will, I'm in this relationship uh, with Christ. Now, I do have doubts on how God works in the world. I do have <laughs> doubts on what the heck are you doing? But that's like, not a disbelief in my relationship with God. I have no doubts about my relationship with God. I just don't understand how God is working. The same way Mary can say a virgin is going to be a mother. And, the, the, and the mother of God. Right. So that's a difficulty. That's not really a disbelief. It's a difficulty. It's the healthy doubt. Like I, I, a million times in my life, uh, a couple times specifically, I have prayed to God, please, God, don't ever let this happen. This is the one <laughs> thing I don't want. Don't let it happen. And of course it happens. And I'm like, what well, did you, did you not understand me? Did I stutter? Like, don't let this happen. And you know what though? It happened. And you know what happens? Looking back, it was the best thing that ever happened to me. It drew me closer to God. So the odd part is that, yeah, I do doubt how God works, but I don't doubt that in the end, you know, God will always be with me. Or Mother Cabrini. I love Mother Cabrini. She's this Italian saint, comes over to the United States. She's this incredible holy woman. And the one thing she prayed her entire life is never to get on a boat, that she was deathly afraid of water. And she gets sent to the United States. And not only that, but she has to travel back and forth from the United States to Italy. And she travels uh, like 30 times on a boat. And it just cracks me up because she has got to have said the same thing I said to God. I specifically said, no one. <laughs> I, I no don't want to be on water. a boat. <laughs> um, now, uh, <laughs> she's not doubting her relationship with God. She's just doubting like, what? But really all through it, it worked out fine. So like John Henry Newman said 
10,000 difficulties don't add up to one doubt. When he said uh, that type of doubt, it's about, I don't have 10, I have 10,000 difficulties with God. Like why this, why that, what does this mean? But I don't really doubt my relationship with God. So when I say difficulties, I mean the doubt of difficulties that like, how is this going to happen? And these kind of doubts about like, what is this? These difficulties, doubts about how things are going to happen. To me, it always leads to a deeper faith. That's the kind of doubt I'm talking about. It's not a doubt about a relationship. It's a doubt about theology and how God is working. Maybe the reason why the Virgin Mary always seems to appear to children throughout the ages is that children are free from insisting that God has to do it my way theology. Therefore, they just rest in trusting the power of the relationship. And so to me, is doubt a blessing or a curse? To me, doubt is a curse if it's about your relationship with God. Doubt is a blessing if it's about theology and how, how, how is this going to happen? Or, so, or, or also, why is it happening? Why? Yeah, why, you know, like if, why? Yeah, it would be so much easier if God would just let it happen the way I want it to. Why? I, told, I know. I mean, somehow he thinks he's in charge of the universe. <laughs> it's kind of like the pandemic right now, you know? How would God allow this to happen? I mean, all or anything this... in history. Yeah. Like, like the, the fall of the Roman Empire would have been seen as horrible, and yet it leads to the conversion of more people. The Black Plague would have been seen as horrible, but actually it's increased our faith. So what if there was the such thing as a religious holy doubt, as a bridge to a deeper faith away from a superficial faith? Even uh, this famous theologian Paul Tillich said, doubt is not the opposite of belief. It's an element of belief. I do like that. I do too. It's what you're saying is that what makes this kind of doubt healthy is that you're not questioning your relationship with God or God's love. You're trying to figure out in a healthy way, why God would do it a different way than you would. And I, I say religion should encourage that kind of doubt because there's these polls and it says that doubt is on the rise. Uh, we don't believe instead of doubting. Actually, we believe while doubt, doubting. That's actually more our faith. And Francis Bacon wrote this little book on how to teach children. And he said, if you begin with certainty, you'll end with doubts. But if you begin with doubts, you'll end with certainties. And what does he mean? That if you let children learn to question a subject first, They'll trust the conclusions. Yes. And I think that's true. We have to allow questions to arise. We have to allow doubt and questions so that there can be real learning. Francis Bacon, granted, he wasn't talking about religion, but I still think it applies. Questioning sometimes is a force of action. It forces reflection and redirects your life to aim more at love in Christ. I wish the Catholic church would allow more questions. And so like there's biblical doubts. Think about this. This podcast wrestling with God is named after Jacob who wrestles all night with an angel because he wrestles 
with the divine, he becomes a holy man. Granted, he's wounded from it. He, he will limp the rest of his life. And he doesn't have all the answers, but he's converted to a holy man because he wrestled with hard issues. Uh, that's the name of this podcast is about, no, we have to question and wrestle with hard issues. Now, the thing I don't wrestle with is my relationship with God, that I am loved by God. I wrestle with theology. Or look at Job. Job in the Bible, all he does in the Bible is question God. Question God about this. He complains about that. What about this? And yet, at the end, Job is proclaimed as the most faithful of all human beings when all he did was ask questions. Well, and he, he kept it, losing everything. Yeah, he kept, yeah, kept losing. But he never really ended his relationship with God. He never doubted the relationship with God. He doubted how, what, why is this? And like I, whenever I study any theology, it always raises 10 questions. Or when you study the Bible, the Bible has these contradictions in it. And those contradictions are a way of wading in and questioning in order to get the point. Doubt helps you to see the contradictions, and then suddenly, oh, you get the point. Give us an example of that, Father Land. Okay. A contradiction in the Bible that kind of helps us. Starts out right in the beginning. Okay. Where a day is made on the fourth day. So when it says the first day, well, how can it be the first day if the actually 24-hour daylight system isn't invented or created to the fourth day? Um, and there's a whole theology there that ah, the first thing created was light, but on the fourth day, the sun and the stars are created. The light that's talking about is this holy light, God's spirit. And so St. Augustine reflects on this and says, well, clearly, you are not meant to take the Bible literally. If, if so, I mean, St. Augustine was a Christian almost, almost 2,000 years ago. All it says is that he said eons of time that God formed the universe. But clearly he doesn't mean a 24-hour segment of time. He means just a segment of time, not 24 hours. And why seven days? If God is God, why why can't God just, come on, right there, right then and there. Why why does it take God seven days? Well, there's a whole great theological answer. Just briefly, it means God created time. So St. Augustine's joke is, what was God doing before creation? <laughs> and the joke is, nothing. He had no time. God he had to create in, time. Right. So the seven days means God created time. But if you shut off your mind, then yes, you won't have any doubts, but you also won't have any meaning. So like, because Augustine could ask questions saying, no, wait, right there, there's a contradiction. It must be trying to tell me something. So doubt can be a great friend of the truth. And all the great mystics, Blaise Pascal, Bridge of Sweden, Mother Teresa, they come to God with their doubts. And that's a type of real relationship. God is not overthrown because we have questions. God is not some thin-skinned ego. The deeper level of faith, the more the sincere the question. So the higher the hill, the stronger the wind. So, so, yeah, well, go so, ahead. so 
you're you're really saying please don't question your relationship with God and God's love for us. Just question what's going on and how it doesn't fit. It doesn't seem to fit. And the deeper you go, the more you think about it. And like you were saying, things in your life that didn't go your way and were kind of tough. In the end, you look back on it and you go, oh, that's why that happened. I actually learned something there that deepened my faith, that made me more humble. It made me a you know, a more mature human being. Wisdom. It didn't feel right at the time, but yeah. look, reflecting on it and really questioning it and trying to figure it out is really important and powerful. Yes, and I think a sincere question, a sincere doubt on the nature of theology sometimes leads to a more honest faith. The opposite of faith is not doubt. The opposite of faith is distrust. Sometimes to have greater faith, you have to look into the darkness and ask some questions. Um, I like that. Maybe you have good reasons for doubt, such as, you know, the hypocrisy of the church and scandals. You might have good reasons, but I think part of the mature life is actually wrestling with questions and doubts. So the word in Greek for doubt means two separate views. So, Doubt is being torn apart because you're seeing two opposite things. And trying to reconcile them. And reconciling. So doubt is a way of thinking. Or in in Psalm 73, it starts off with the utter goodness of God, proclaiming just how good God is. And then it goes into describing how he's being torn apart by different motives. And what I love is that one can believe in the utter goodness of God and question the ground one is standing on. So having all the answers is not the answer. It's okay to live on some shaky ground and still like the psalmist, absolutely believe in the utter goodness of God and say, but I just don't understand the ground I'm standing on. So many times I've done that. Suffering has caused me to question, but it has never caused me to lose my faith. In fact, the opposite. It made me more committed. Or even like St. Thomas, I hate when they say doubting Thomas, but St. Thomas, he asks a really serious question where the apostles say, oh, he's, you missed mass. Too bad you missed mass because it's a Sunday. It's breaking the bread. And Thomas was not there. And he comes back and they said, you miss the resurrection of Christ. Christ appeared before us in the breaking of the bread. And Thomas says, I will not believe it unless I probe the nail marks in his hands and put my hand into his side. What does that mean, probe the nail marks? What it means is the nail marks are marks of violence and injustice. If you tell me that Christ is resurrected in the world, Show me where Christ is resurrected in the violence and injustice in the world. That's what probing the nail marks mean. So sometimes doubt can lead to faith. Or there's this Lebanese poet who says, and I like this, doubt is the twin brother of faith. Hmm. God created the world in such a way that questions are part of the package deal of life. Or even this is kind of a shocking part in the Gospel of Matthew, where Christ sends out the disciples and it said, some worshipped and some doubted. 
it doesn't mean that there's two different groups that like I can both worship God and have some doubts about what does this mean and what does that mean? So maybe Christ is comfortable with those who doubt. Sometimes yep. God is asking us to question. And even like in the Jewish ritual of Passover, it starts with the child asking a question. Why do we do this? Maybe real faith, it's, it's ritually formed. Maybe real faith starts with God having us ask the question, why? That's, that's a real good thing. So now, this, this healthy, holy doubt is related to the ways of God, which are seemingly so different from ours, from our, you know, super easy, simple, reasoned, whatever kind of stuff. Not doubting the love of God, but doubting or trying to understand the ways of God and why that really does reflect and represent his love. Yeah, and it's a blessing. Now, I know I actually, when you were about to speak, I have to admit, oh, gosh, I Irish is going to bring up the snake in the garden. I know it because. <laughs> <laughs> you're talking about the snake in the garden of Eden? Yes, I, I was afraid you're going to mention that because that's what the, the snake in the garden of Eden. Yeah, you should uh, fill everybody in that doesn't know this story, what, what you were thinking and why you thought I would bring it up. Well, because I see you as a snake. No, <laughs> no, just kidding. Just kidding. Joking, joking. So they're in paradise, which is odd that they're in paradise and the serpent is there and the serpent is the devil. And he uses doubt to deceive human beings, to egoistically want to be gods, not wanting to be with God, but to become a God. And he uses doubt. Now I'd say that's a bad doubt. But that bad doubt is not based on discerning meaning. That's not the blessing of doubt that I'm talking about. It's not about discerning meaning. It's about questioning the relationship with God. That doubt, he wanted them to doubt their relationship with God, not doubt theology. And once he could, you know, with pride, appeal to their egos, they suddenly, they have all the answers. So when it says they see it as good, it means... Oh, no, I, I know all the answers more than God does. It's the Zachariah position. Well, um, it, it is the whole ego thing. You know, uh, you mean I can be God? I can be God-like? I can have all the powers of God? I mean, I should, a, Or I should be, be able to define how things are supposed to happen in the yep. world. Well, there's a lot of that going on in the world right now, Father Len. Yes, and God never, I mean, we believe a trickster God. God always works in different ways. Some people, they don't like questions because they think it challenges their authority. There's kind of a surprising number of priests who don't like it when people ask questions. And their mantra is, well, the church has spoken on this, and so you have to believe it. But I think it's necessary, well, let me put it this way. I think it's necessary for bishops to come down and have a position. And that's called leadership. But I think it's a role of priests to lead people through questions to believe it. If priests just tell people, uh, nope, it's spoken, don't even think about it. Priests actually should work with people's questions. Jesus allows other people to challenge and question. Why shouldn't the church leaders today? If we follow Christ, we want people to ask questions. Nathaniel, yep. when he meets Christ, says, 
this comment of can anything good come out of Nazareth? You know, it's well, a smirky comment, but it's also theologically correct in one sense. Because the Messiah, everybody knew, was supposed to come from Bethlehem, not from Nazareth. Only later, when you actually reread the prophecies, do you kind of realize, oh, Nazareth is mentioned, but it's a word play. So Jesus isn't offended when uh, Nathaniel asks a question. He doesn't say, how dare you question me? He says, come and see. And I think if it's a legitimate doubt, not the Zachariah doubt of telling, but a legitimate doubt, then I think Christ invites us to kind of enter into the Nathaniel and discover the question. I don't think Christ is offended by Nathaniel's question. I don't think Christ is offended by Thomas's question. I think because they believe in a relationship, they just don't understand. Go back to your, if you, uh, if you can remember exactly the, the quote you had about children and children's questions earlier in the podcast, because I think that's at the heart of what you're saying. Uh, the children, Kristen, uh, why Mary always seems to appear with children? No, y- y- I forget who it was that, uh, it was a quote you read about um, how healthy it is to entertain kids' questions and that that if you do entertain their questions and help lead them to the truth, rather than just saying, this is the truth, believe oh. it, forget it, don't question it, this is, this is it. Oh, the Francis Bacon one. Francis Bacon, yeah. Oh. yeah I think so- that's at kind of the heart of everything that you're saying. Um, okay, if you say so. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, I, maybe I don't remember it exactly No, 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 right. no, I, I know what you're talking about. Um, but he's talking about this theory of education, um, and his isn't, theory of, that, isn't that kind of what we're talking about here yeah. is, is, is trying to educate ourselves, trying to mature, trying to understand God's ways and not questioning his love or, or questioning our relationship with God. But why would God do it this way? This isn't our way. This isn't the way, the way that we think it should be done. That's really where all the, the holy doubt is, the, the healthy doubt is if we're just trying to understand God's ways. I think that's really ultimately what you're saying here. Yeah. So Francis Bacon said, if you begin with certainty, you end with doubt. If you begin with doubt, you end in certainties. So he said, let kids question and then they'll come to these conclusions. That's why I think Jesus is comfortable with questions because he wants them to end with certainty. I, I love it, Father Len. I, I think that's a, that's a great way to kind of wrap this up, that uh, these questions and doubts are a really healthy thing. I appreciate that. D- did you have anything else you wanted to add? Oh, I have a lot. I mean, I could go hours on doubt, but <laughs> uh, seriously, I could. Yeah, I could go well, a whole history. Did, did we miss anything really good stuff from your hours? I have no idea. But I put it this way. Like, I think people should really question what's going on uh, in the world, question church authority, but not question that they're in this unbreakable relationship with God. I like it. Well, thanks for listening to this episode of the Wrestling with God show. Hope we made you feel good about your doubts and questions and and that you'll keep asking them. And of course, if you have questions or comments uh, about what we're doing or any specific doubts about uh, faith and religion, 
Uh, we'd love to hear from you. It's easy to get in touch with us. You just head over to our website. It's www.show.com. That's www.show.com. You click on the questions button and you'll see a lot of different ways to get in touch with us. We also encourage you to subscribe, rate, and review the Wrestling With God show at Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. It really helps people discover us. It also means that uh, you won't miss any of our episodes because you'll be notified every time we publish a new one. So we hope you'll join us next time as we continue our journey, climbing the mountain of life, searching for truth, meaning, and purpose in our lives. Thanks for listening. See you next time. Mm-hmm.